Hello, and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm Iman Rastagari, sitting in for Matt Weber, and today I'm talking with Professor Bill Gormley, a professor of public policy and government at Georgetown University. Bill recently published a new book called The Critical Advantage, Developing Critical Thinking Skills in School. Professor Bill Gormley, welcome to the Harvard EdCast. Thank you. Happy to be here. So let's start off with the big picture. How do you define critical thinking, and how has it historically been taught? Well, let me ease into that a, a little bit. Um, there's a, a great quote from David Coleman, the president of the college board, who says that uh, we need to get our students to read like detectives and write like investigative reporters. And I think that hints at what critical thinking is all about. The way I think of it is that it includes three key elements. Uh, the first, which is well understood, is the capacity to spot weaknesses in other people's arguments. That's really the critical side of critical thinking. But the second is um, a passion for evidence, and especially for good evidence, and a willingness to integrate evidence and data into arguments. And the third, which is sometimes overlooked, is a capacity to reflect on your own views and values and beliefs and to take a critical look at your own assumptions uh, with an eye towards possibly changing them. So all of those elements are an essential part of critical thinking. So how is it taught uh, in the classroom? Well, it's taught in different ways by English teachers and history teachers and biology teachers, and it's taught in different ways in high school, in middle school, and in elementary school. Uh, frankly, it's also sometimes not taught, so it's not universal. Some teachers uh, embrace critical thinking pedagogy with enthusiasm, and they make it a high priority in their classrooms. Other teachers do not. Uh, so if you were to systematically uh, assess the extent of critical thinking instruction in U.S. classrooms, you'd find some very wide variations. That makes sense. Right now, critical thinking seems to be more important than ever, especially in this moment in American history, where it feels like there's an overwhelming amount of deliberately false information gaining significant traction in the public discourse. What can people do to elevate truth and reason in these times of fake news? I agree with the premise of your question. I think this is a particularly difficult time for our democracy. And I also think that critical thinking is an important solution to some of the problems we're facing. One of the problems that we're facing, as you suggested, is that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of false information in the news, and it's become very difficult uh, for students and for all of us to screen that information and to separate the wheat from the chaff and figure out what's accurate and what's inaccurate. That's a very, very valuable skill uh, in a democracy, and we can't wait for all of us to become adults to acquire those skills. We need to begin early in life. So I think there are some uh, in encouraging 
signs out there. There are uh, teachers throughout the United States who are trying to cultivate those kinds of critical thinking skills as they apply to civic readiness. Uh, so, for example, the other day I visited a, a high school AP classroom in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Edison Prep High School, and the students had gathered there to hear from a distinguished panel on a very touchy issue, which was whether to rename the Robert E. Lee Elementary School in uh -huh. Tulsa. Uh, that elementary school has been around for exactly 100 years, and some critics believe that the name should be changed because uh, of Robert E. Lee's uh, close association with the Confederacy and the Confederate cause. Uh, what was exciting to me was uh, to see that the students actually asked every single question of the panel. So the students were in charge. Uh, even though their teacher, Larry Cagle, had brought in the panelists. They asked some excellent questions. They were encouraged to ask follow-up questions, which many of them did. Uh, there were some fact-checkers among the student body who would occasionally interrupt and try to set the record straight when a panelist uh, went astray which occasionally happens, even with the best of intentions. And what was also very impressive to me is that there were no boos, there were no hisses, there were no catcalls. The students were very, very polite. They listened very respectfully, and it was a very productive dialogue. So that's the kind of critical thinking that we need to be encouraging in our students, especially as it relates to civic readiness. That's a wonderful example. You were just talking about civic engagement, um, but in researching this book, you looked at a variety of different areas in education. How do you feel critical thinking changes in different contexts? Yeah, well, I'm really glad you asked that question because my view is that we desperately need critical thinking skills to enhance students' college readiness, to enhance students' career readiness, and to enhance students' civic readiness. But I would add to that that the precise critical thinking skills that are needed in each of those areas differ, uh, which is to say that when teachers are trying to get their students to cultivate and develop critical thinking skills, it's useful for them to have a broader goal in mind. It may be college readiness, it may be career readiness, or it may be civic readiness. To give you an example, uh, we know that the overwhelming majority of U.S. employers are very, very eager to hire workers who have critical thinking skills. Uh, business leaders say that all the time. The World Economic Forum recently projected that critical thinking skills would be among the most valued skills in the workplace in the year 2020, uh, ranked second uh, just behind complex problem solving. So there's a very broad and deep consensus within the business community that we desperately need to strengthen critical thinking skills. But what are these elusive critical thinking skills 
that business leaders complain they don't see enough of in job applicants. Good question. I think that uh, in the context of career readiness, critical thinking has less to do with textual analysis, which may be very important uh, for college readiness, especially in the humanities. And it has a lot more to do with practical problem solving. It has a lot more to do with uh, adaptability and the capacity for improvisation. And so as teachers try to cultivate critical thinking skills in the classroom, it's really important for them to try to link critical thinking skills to some of these broader overarching goals, whether they be college readiness, career readiness, or civic readiness. So the framework that you just described, do you feel like that is equally applicable in a global context, or does it work differently outside of the United States? Well, uh, critical thinking is certainly increasingly important because we find ourselves in a global economy. And I think the need for critical thinking skills has become even more urgent uh, because of changes in our international economic conditions as well as changes in our technology. Uh, Essentially, the changes in our technology have made relatively routine jobs uh, less and less available and less and less attractive. That's especially evident in the United States. But it's also a worldwide phenomenon, and so the countries that are making great progress economically are the countries that have recognized the importance of critical thinking skills and analytic skills and scientific scientific advancement, and those countries are going to make more progress in the future. So as we close, I thought it might be interesting to to look outside of just the education context. Um, What advice do you have for people who want to elevate critical thinking in general life? For example, how can we bring a more reasonable discourse back to the family dinner table? Yeah, (laughs) well, uh, yeah, I'd love to see more of that. Uh, Let me just say, before I get to that, that that critical thinking opportunities do arise all the time in, in daily life. So, for example, imagine your, uh, your commute to your office in Cambridge, which hopefully is not a, a hellacious commute, but sometimes I imagine it can be. <laughs> um, most of the time, you're probably on automatic pilot as you commute, and I think that's true for many of us. But let's say there's a big traffic jam. You know, then all of a sudden, you know, the critical thinking skills have to kick in. You have to come up with an alternative route. And you have to know enough about uh, your environment and your transportation system that you can make some rough calculations and hopefully get from point A to point B with a minimum of aggravation and discomfort. So those sorts of situations do arise in daily life, and they're, they're not as dramatic as, as some of the, the bigger issues that we're concerned about, but it's important to recognize that critical thinking is not just something that takes place in the classroom or in the workplace. It's something that uh, takes place and should take place 
in our daily lives. So how do we get more critical thinking into dinner table conversations? I think what's really valuable uh, for parents as they're trying to cultivate critical thinking skills in their children, which I strongly think they should, is uh, to, to be open to ideas. Just as teachers should be open and respectful in their classrooms, so too parents should be open and respectful uh, at the dinner table and in their homes, which is to say they should encourage their children to think for themselves, uh, to, uh, to speak thoughtfully on issues big and small uh, that, con that concern them, and uh, to invite them uh, to disagree without being disagreeable. So that's the key, whether it's the family dinner table or uh, a debate on the floor of the uh, U.S. Congress. Unfortunately, if you think about uh, the debates that take place these days on the floor of the Congress, uh, you seldom find uh, people arguing on point. You often find people arguing past one another, and you seldom find the degree of civility and mutual respect that you ought to have in a public dialogue over the most important issues that we face as a country. Well, that is very timely advice, and thanks so much for sharing it. Professor Bill Gormley's new book, The Critical Advantage, is on bookshelves now. Bill, thank you so much for joining me on the Harvard EdCast. You're welcome. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your guest host, Iman Rastigari. Thank you so much for listening.